comes our way, that the stand would be taken for what is right, as was the case in the past. And above all, we pray that our nation would turn to God in the Savior's name. And so we pray that you would be with us now. Uh, bless us throughout the remainder of this meeting. For Christ's sake, amen. You may be seated. Just while the, the little ones are, are leaving, uh, I could, uh, I'm just going to take the opportunity to mention this calendar. This is the, the Let the Bible Speak calendar for 2023. We do have a supply there. And this is a special commemorative calendar because Let the Bible Speak is now reflecting and thanking God for 50 years of putting the gospel out over, over, over the airwaves. And there's some photographs there uh, just reflecting on those years. And of course, much mention is made of, of Dr. Cairns, our late brother, Dr. Alan Cairns, with really his vision, Let the Bible Speak. And, and it's a work that really God has blessed in a most remarkable way. And so of these calendars, uh, they're priced at five pounds each. Uh, and we're not asking for money today, of course, being the Lord's Day. But you see our brother Jeffrey's on the door today. He'll be able to get you one, and he'll take your name, and you can see him at a later time. So do please uh, remember that. Uh, we're now going to turn in the Word of God to the book of First John, chapter 5. The book of First John, chapter 5. We're going to think about the theme of overcomers today from 1 John chapter 5, the verses 4 and 5. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. We'll just pray. Father, write your word upon every heart. We pray that we would hear your voice today. For Christ's sake, amen, amen. On Remembrance Sunday, we reflect upon battles won, but we also reflect upon battles lost. We think about lives that have been tragically taken, homes devastated, as the supreme sacrifice was made for our nation. As the British people, we can look back over our history. We can look back particularly over these hundred years or more of our more recent history, and we can trace the hand of God in giving our soldiers and our leaders success in the field of battle, sometimes against the odds. Despite the pain, the suffering, the human cost, our liberties have been preserved. Our heroes, soldiers, sailors, airmen, have been overcomers in the field of conflict, and that is something that we reflect upon with gratitude on this Remembrance Sunday. But these verses in 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 through to 5, they teach us that the Christian, in a spiritual sense, has been called to be a soldier, has been called to be an overcomer in this world. These verses remind us that we are in a battle, and we need the, the stickability, we need the courage, we need the resolve to stand up for Christ in this battle, because we are in the battle and we are in the conflict. And therefore, we need to follow our great commander, the one who is the captain of our salvation, and be overcomers. 
Now, this is one of the characteristics of what it means to be a Christian. And I pointed out last time that throughout 1 John, Paul or John is teaching us what characterizes the child of God, the, the attributes of the child of God, the credentials of the child of God. And we noticed another one of these credentials last time. We, we thought about the love for the brethren. It's a characteristic of one who is a child of God, one who is a new birth, one who is born again. But here we have another characteristic of the one that is born again. For he said, for whatsoever or for whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. So one that is born again, one that is born into the family of God, we are called to be overcomers. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And what is particularly consoling and heartwarming about this, encouraging, is that we're on the winning side. We're on the winning side. Whenever a, a war is fought, it is difficult to know what way it will go. And sometimes the pendulum swings one way and then the other. Sometimes uh, a smaller army, which is more tactically astute, can win over a larger army. Uh, one never knows how a battle will really go until the end. But we know this, and we're sure of this, that we're on the winning side. And therefore, the Christian can enter this battle and stand up for Christ with, with courage and, and with tremendous heart. And our morale should never be low, because St. Paul wrote, If God be for us, who can be against us? And as John says here, we have been called, as those that are born of God, to be overcomers. So let's just reflect upon this and see what we can learn in a practical way for our own individual lives. We have, first of all, the foe to be overcome. Now, the foe that we need to overcome is, is the world. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And we have dwelt upon this before in a previous study about the world, the spirit that is in the world, how we need to repudiate the spirit that is in the world because the spirit that is in the world is totally and absolutely and diametrically opposed to the word of God and to the truth of the gospel. In 1 John 2, verse 15, John wrote, writes, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but, of, but, of, but is of the world. And there it is quite evident that the the, the, the world represents the, the ungodly spirit that exists in the hearts of men and women across this globe in every society. This ungodly spirit manifests itself in various ways, differing ways. But yet it's there where man lifts up his fist of defiance against God and seeks to go his own way. Uh, this spirit that is in the world, we see it in society. We see it in the philosophy by which people order their lives. We see it by their worldview. We see it by their morality or their lack of morality. We see it in government, in the agendas of government, which are entirely and completely ungodly. We see it in media and all of the satanic propaganda, ungodly propaganda that's totally uh, filling, filling the media. Uh, this, this spirit is all prevailing. This spirit that opposes God and 
the truth of God. And whenever we think of this foe that is arrayed against the true church of Christ, this, this spirit that John simply calls the world, well, I think there are, there are three elements to the work of this foe. There is, first of all, this is a spirit that denies the inerrancy of Scripture. A man laughs at the very fact that we claim and we testify that we have a book that is totally and absolutely inerrant. A book that is without flaw. A book that has come from God. A book that is inspired of the Holy Spirit. That though we have pen men, we have Moses and we have Paul and and we have all these other writers, the, the prophets of ancient times, Samuel and Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, etc. And we have the apostles in the New Testament here, the writers of the Gospels. We have this man, John, that we're studying. That although there were these pen men who, who wrote the words, they wrote God's word. And they wrote a word that is inspired. God breathed, St. Paul wrote, coming from the very heart of God himself. And therefore, the Word of God is without error. And, and man laughs at that. Because, you see, if this is true, if God's Word indeed is what God's Word claims it is, thy Word is truth, our Savior said. If God's Word indeed is truth, then it means that all other religions are wrong. Any religion that says that Christ is not the only Savior, that religion is wrong. Any religion that denies the Word of God and says, here is our book, here is our holy book, that religion is wrong. It means the atheistic spirit of this world, this secular world that permeates the Western world today. It means that that spirit is wrong. That spirit is false. You see, if God's Word indeed is truth, then that shines a light upon all of the other ideas that are out there. And... Really, the Word of God is the only book worth living for and worth dying for, worth listening to and worth following. For this book is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And so we can understand why the spirit of this world will ever seek to undermine the Word of God. But what is particularly comforting is this. Man has never, ever, ever been able to discredit the credibility of the Word of God. This book stands up to scrutiny. And that's why after all of these thousands of years, it's still here. It's still with us. Because there's something marvelously miraculous about the Word of God. And so our foe will deny the inerrancy of Scripture. But our foe will also deny the God of creation. Because if we believe that this book is the Word of God, then the first thing that we believe in relation to this book is that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth because that is what the Bible says, the very opening line. And that very opening line, that gives us our worldview. That there is a God who is eternal, a God who pre-existed the heavens and the earth, a God who is the first cause. And He created everything out of nothing. In the space of six days, yes, this book teaches a six-day creation. Everything that we have is the product of God, of God's wisdom, from the stars that shine in far-off galaxies to the little blade of grass and the speck of dust. God formed it all. The 
marvelous beauty of the, the petal of the flower, the intricacy of the, the tiny insect. God made everything for a purpose. We are fearfully and wonderfully made as, as human beings. And think of all of the processes that are undergoing in our bodies and our minds even now, enabling us to think, enabling us to uh, process information. And the physical processes by which we are kept alive, the air that we breathe, the miracle of it all, how we can process our food, turn into energy. God has given us all of that. All of that is the product of God. And you see, if, if we believe that, then we believe that we are accountable to God. We are God's creatures. One day we're going to stand before Him. Of course, man laughs at that. Man doesn't want to think about that. whole idea of accountability. See, Human beings, being human beings, and being sinful human beings and corrupt human beings, want to do their own thing, want to go their own way. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. We're all part of that humanity, a spirit of rebellion, a spirit that doesn't want to accept that one day we'll stand before God as judge because he is the creator. And so it is very, very convenient to deny the God of creation. And that's something else this ungodly spirit will do. And then one third thing that this ungodly spirit will do, of course there are others, but I'm just drawing to your attention the, the main aspects that totally undermine the gospel. The other thing that the ungodly spirit of this world will do, it will deny that Christ is the only Savior. You see, if we are to stop just at the point where Christ is our, where God is our creator and God is our judge, then that's a very dark and depressing thing. Without grace and without the gospel of Christ, the law, the God of law crushes us. There is no hope. If we were just to have a, an Old Testament without a New Testament, as the dear Jew has, and that's all they will accept, there's no grace there. There is no Christ. And so we have the story of the cross, the story of Jesus Christ who came into the world and not only died for our sins, but rose again and defeated and triumphed over death. One whose sacrifice, one whose blood, one whose resurrection is the only way to salvation, the sole way of salvation. And therein there is hope for a dying world. For as Peter said, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. There is no other way. You see, the Bible teaches there only is one way of salvation, one exclusive way of salvation. Through this man who says, I am the way, and that's our Savior. But all of these things are repudiated by the spirit of the world. The world doesn't want to consider such truths. Because if such truths are faced up to, man must accept that he is wrong. If Jesus Christ really did rise again, then everything else is wrong and false. And Christ is the only one worth following. And so there is this foe that undermines all of these precious facts because all of these precious facts teach man that he is a sinner. His life must be changed, transformed by this God of grace. And so we have the foe. But let's also think about the fight. You see, this world wants us to think like them. And every part of its corrupt mind process some time ago, we went through the book of Daniel. And Daniel and his friends were brought out of Jerusalem. They were transported to Babylon. They were young men, probably just young teenage boys. 
They had been raised as Jews, but Nebuchadnezzar took them and he, he tried to mold them according to the Babylonian mindset. He wanted them to talk the language of the Chaldeans. He wanted them to wear the dress of the Chaldeans. And he wanted them to think as the Chaldeans thought. He wanted them to worship the Chaldean gods. He wanted them to leave Israel behind, Judah behind, Jerusalem behind, the Hebrew way of life, the God of the old Hebrew Bible. He wanted them to forget all of that. And he wanted them to be transformed into his way of thinking. And so he tried and he attempted. But ultimately he failed. Because Daniel refused to be different. And his friends refused to be different. And Daniel, until his very death, was in that place called Babylon. And he stood for God and for truth. He was recognized and respected for that. But this world is just like Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon. The world wants to take us and the world wants us to think and to be like them. And the world doesn't want us to have the liberty to think according to scriptural truths. And we're in a battle today and we're facing a battle. And there is a fight going on for the Christian mindset. And I would suggest that there are two particular fronts where in our society... This battle is being fought. One is in the realm of education. There is a battle to keep religious education from a biblical perspective within the state sector. Uh, there is a battle going on to maintain Christian worship in school assemblies so that ministers like me will be able to still come in and conduct school assemblies. And I'm grateful for the opportunities that I have, but there are those who want to prevent all of that. And there is a battle to cause schools to teach in an obligatory way the LGBT issues to the children. And all of these things are very fearful because they undermine the biblical mindset. And they are seeking to mold young people and children according to the secular mindset. But the other front is health care. Abortion is becoming the... Biggest single cause of child mortality in our society. A striking society has moved from preserving the lives of babies and mothers. So many decades, and a century and a half ago, uh, there, was a, there was a high prevalence of children born at birth, or children who died at birth, and mothers, sadly, who, who died at birth. And health care improved, and mothers were able to have their children much more safely today, and... and what tremendous progress that has been. But now we're swinging from that to the place where people involved in health care think it is right and it is good to kill little children in their mother's wombs. And some doctors and nurses are becoming NHS death squads. And that's a fearful thing. And that has been masqueraded as health care. And then people with Christian values across the UK are being ostracized for their faith in these matters because they refuse to recognize that someone that is born that is biologically a male or a female can identify as the opposite gender. Something that's totally against nature. The way they've been made by God. And are people losing their jobs because they're saying, we're not having this. We're not calling this child by an opposite gender. We're not calling this person by an opposite gender because that's not right, not proper. 
Can't do it at all conscience. You see, the liberals do not want us to have the freedom to articulate the morality of Scripture. They want us to capitulate because they will not accept Scripture nor God. And whenever we are confronted with the spirit, the spirit of the world, we, we must resist. We cannot capitulate. Yes, we need to put our case across in a logical way, in an earnest way, in a, in a way that's proper, dignified, but we must still put our case across. And there are times in life we will be called to swim against the current, to take perhaps a lonely stand. And we need to be praying for those that have been called to take that lonely stand, that God will give them grace and strength for the fight and for the battle. On these key basic issues, we have to remember what the Scripture says, and we cannot compromise. But we must remember something really important. While this battle manifests itself in these practical things, and it does, there's a spirit that work underneath it all, and it's the old spirit of Satan himself. And in another place, in another land, that spirit is masqueraded in some false teaching or false religion that persecutes Christians. And in another place, it's the secular spirit that we have today. And, but it's the spirit of the old dragon himself. And therefore, the words of Paul to the Ephesians are so relevant. We wrestled not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There's a battle on, and we must be aware of it. But let's think about the faith, the faith through which we overcome. And what is so enlightening here in relation to this passage is how we gain the victory, how we are overcomers in this world. We do it through our faith. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, we do not have victory through our social media campaigns, through our political activity, through our protests. That doesn't mean it's wrong to do all of that. But we must not depend upon these things. We must not depend upon the ballot box to give us victory. We have victory only through our faith because... This is a spiritual battle, and the battle can only be won in a spiritual fashion. It cannot be won intellectually. It can only be won spiritually through our faith. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And of course, the apostles are the great examples of this. The apostles lived in the Roman world, such a corrupt world, such a depraved world, such an evil world. If we think the society we live in is evil, and it is, it's nowhere near as evil as the old Roman pagan society was. The corruptions that were ongoing there, we haven't seen anything like it. And yet these apostles were overcomers. Not because they had some huge public profile, or not because they were part of government or anything like that. They were overcomers because they simply held on to God and preached the gospel and witnessed for truth. And God blessed their witness. And this Christian message became the greatest message that would sweep over the entire world. It was through faith the battle was won. You think of those that are persecuted and how they gain their overcoming. And in Revelation chapter 7 and the verse 11, we read there, and again, these were words that John wrote. And they overcame him, the people of God, they overcame Satan 
by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. They love not their lives unto death. They were overcomers by the blood. Never forgot that they were sinners saved by grace. They were overcomers by the word of their testimony. They, they witnessed a good testimony for Christ. And they were absolutely committed to him. Were willing to die for him. They loved not their lives unto death. You know, we have our open Bible today. Because men gave their, their lives. People gave their lives that we might have the Bible. William Tyndale was burned to death that we might have a Bible. And that battle was won through faith. Some died that the battle would be won. And ultimately Christ died and he rose again. And we're overcomers through that resurrection. We need faith in Christ. And we need to cling on to him. Lean upon him. Hold on to him. The sacrifice of the soul to Jesus. Absolutely committed to Jesus Christ. Full surrender to him. That's what we need. Does this not remind us that we only win this battle for our land and for our nation on our knees? If we really love our country, we'll pray for our country. If we really love our country, we'll be in the prayer meeting and our seat will not be empty at the prayer meeting because we'll be praying for our nation. That's where the true battle is won. Seeking God and calling upon Him. We win the battle through our faithfulness, being the people that God wants us to be. That's how we are overcomers. Some of God's greatest servants were singularly unsuccessful in the eyes of the world. You think of Jeremiah, I suppose. He was spectacularly unsuccessful in the eyes of the world. The weeping prophet saw the collapse of a whole generation. But yet he stood for God. He was an overcomer. God wants us to stand up for him. Wherever we are, at home, in our family, bearing that good witness for Christ, in the workplace, bearing that good witness for Christ, here in our church, being faithful for him, being more than conquerors through him that loved us, doing it is not of us. It is of him. May God help us to step by faith into that victory that cometh from Christ and be encouraged by that. For this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Help us to be overcomers. Help us to stand for Christ. Help us to be different when we're called to be different. To be recognized as those people who have been with Jesus. And give us strength for this battle. 